Hi, I'm Lou Eisen, a boxing writer, historian, and soon to be author with my new book coming out, Boxing's Greatest Controversies, Blunders, Blood Feuds, and Bad Decisions. Uh, today's fight that we're going to talk about from the past is uh, an incredible fight with a great backstory. It's the first uh, middleweight world title fight between the champion Sugar Ray Robinson and his challenger, Little Carmen Basilio. Let me turn my phone off. Sorry about that. And... Interestingly enough, Basilio was five six and a half. Robinson was five eleven. So you would look at a fight like that and you'd think Basilio's got no chance. Robinson's bigger, he's taller, and he's heavier. Uh, Basilio came in at one fifty four. Robinson came in at one sixty. Um, the fight, as I said, took place in nineteen fifty seven. It's an interesting time in boxing history and in Robinson's career in particular because. Robinson had dropped out of boxing for three years. The mob, uh, Frankie Carbo, kept leaning on him to take a dive in certain fights, and then we'll have a rematch, and you make a lot more money. And Robinson was the biggest draw in the sport, and he didn't have to give in to Carbo. So his fights were on the up and up. So he got so tired of the mob trying to do this to him that he quit, and he went into show business for three years as a singer, tap dancer. And it did all right at the beginning, but after a while, Zach wasn't that good, and it wore off. The effect of it wore off in the public, so he had to come back. Unfortunately for Ray Robinson, when he came back, his accountant said, you're broke. And he couldn't believe it because he, he owned Harlem. He had restaurants. He had Sugar Ray's, the nightclub. He had his big pink Cadillac. He had a store that did uh, a woman's uh, hair salon, uh, Sugar Ray's, the restaurant. He had a clothing store. He had a music store. He even had a tax store where, where you know, like H&R Block, where people could come in and get their taxes done. And his accountant said, the people, your friends and family who were running it for you, stole all your money. And so he had to get back into boxing. But at that point, the mob had such a stranglehold. They said, no, 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 no. You can come back in and you'll get fights, but you're going to have to do some deals with us. Meaning Robinson would have to fight certain people that he may not have wanted to fight. And he may, and he... he I don't think he never took a dive, but he didn't get all the money. He, he got money, but he still had to pay a percentage of it uh, on a mob tax, unfortunately. And uh, one of the interesting things about his opponent, Carmen Basilio, I was fortunate enough to meet many times, who was incredibly tough. And uh, just as a joke, you know, in, in um, 209, 210, he threw a right hand, not hard, he didn't throw hard, he just went like this to my uh to my left to my right side and i doubled over you know he's in his 80s at the time and he just tapped me and i it hurt small hands but boy could he punch and he he um and then again against an old fat out of shape warthog like me it's not too difficult so uh, basilio was fighting for the world middleweight title this was his dream since he was born in canastota in uh in 1927 april 2nd and uh, he wanted to become, uh, he wanted to fight at Yankee Stadium. And there were almost 40,000 people there. His friends on the New York Yankees were in the dugout. And this is the fight where he takes on Ray Robinson for the world middleweight title. Before that, Basilio, Basilio hated the mob. Wouldn't do business with them. Would just as soon kill them as look at them. But his manager, Joe Nicho, had no, had no, uh, recourse so he had to give some of his purse his percentage out of basilio's pay to the mob to get these fights and basilio didn't like it but that's the way business was done 
he was going to be damned if he was going to give any cent he earned in the ring to get these fights. And he originally beats Tony DeMarco in Boston for the World Welterweight title, defends it against him, knocks him out again. And then he goes to Chicago and he, he wins. He destroys Johnny Saxton in 15, but the mob bought off the judges and Saxton is given the title. And the great uh, Dan Patrick and, and Dan Parker, excuse me, the great writer Dan Parker and Bud Schilberg write these articles about how the mob stole the fight, which was a brave thing to do back then. And then, you know, at the press conference after, they asked Basilio, what do you have to do, you think, to win the title back? And he said, I guess I'm just going to have to kill him. And so they have a rematch, and he knocks him out, I believe, in 12 rounds in the rematch. And then they have the rubber fight, and Basilio destroys him in two rounds. You know, and he gives a disgusting look at Carbo and Palermo who are at the fight. Basilio didn't scare worth a damn. And, you know, he's he's the welterweight champ. And then he gives that up to go up to fight middleweight, Sugar Ray Robinson. Robinson was considered then the greatest fighter ever pound for pound. And what that meant was if all weights were relative, then Ray Robinson is the greatest fighter that ever lived. So Robinson up to that, Robinson never lost in the amateurs, and he'd only lost a couple times in the pros. Most of his losses came at the tail end of his career when he was in his late, not late, but middle to late 40s. So Robinson uh, wins the welterweight title against Tommy Bell, and he defends the title. You know, he, he keeps fighting, but he can't get the fights that he wanted to get. The boxing was controlled then by Mike Jacobs, who with help from the mob, and Jacobs... Uh, who's the man who gave Joe Lewis a chance, was still a racist in my estimation. Robinson just kept winning and winning. And in 1951, he he moves out, you know, out of the welterweight division into the middleweight division. And he has the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, February 14th, where he stops um, Jake LaMotta, you know, in 13 rounds. And LaMotta, you know, a month and a half, two months before the fight's 200 pounds. So he's got to lose 40 pounds. LaMotta's strained to make weight. He, he, this is their sixth and final fight. Uh, LaMotta beat him the first time they fought. But I think LaMotta won another one later, but they just didn't give him the decision. Um, although I think LaMotta did win that fight. Anyways, Robinson's the new world middleweight champion. And he wins and loses the title five times uh, before he goes out, which is a record. Before he um, fights Basilio, years before, he goes and fights a guy named Joey Maxim for the World Light Heavyweight title. And Maxim uh, was a great fighter, and he, he wasn't an exciting fighter, excuse me, by any means, but he had Doc Kearns in his corner, and he knew how to win. He was 6-1, and Robinson was beating the hell out of him. Uh, for about 13 rounds, and it was 115 degrees that night in New York, and you're under the Klee lights, and Robinson just got so dehydrated and delirious that he had to quit. And he'd won almost every round. If he could have hung on for two more rounds, he would have been the light heavyweight champ. So he would have won the welterweight, middleweight, and light heavyweight. So he takes time off after, as I said, he comes back, wins the world middleweight title again, you know, from um, Carl Bobo Olsen, fights Gene Fulmer, loses the first fight, and then he regains the title, throwing the greatest left hook ever thrown in boxing history, knocking, it only traveled four inches. He threw it moving back, caught Fulmer on the chin. Fulmer was out. And this was taught to him by his uh, great trainer, Harry Wiley. Sugar Ray Robinson was managed by Jordan Gainford, but he wasn't trained by him. Harry Wiley 
created Sugar Ray Robinson. All those great moves you saw him do in the ring, which Muhammad Ali later did, were taught to him by Harry Wiley. And Robinson was an expert at using a man's momentum against him. So we get to the Basilio fight, and it's at it's at uh, Yankee Stadium in um, in New York City. The New York Yankees, Mickey Mantle, and all those guys are sitting in the dugout because they they love Basilio and uh, Basilio's training. And there's a backstory to this. Um, there's two of them. Robinson wasn't well liked within boxing. Robinson had this habit, which made boxers hate him, of a fight you'd you sign to fight, whoever it was, Gene Fulmer, Bull Bulls, and certainly Basilio. He, he would sign to fight you, and then, you know, a guy would knock on the door, uh, 20 minutes till you walk into the ring, and then this Robinson would get up and just say, I'm not going. And he'd get dressed, unwrap his hands. No, I want 25% more of, of the TV rights or of the gate. And the promoter would say, well, that would have to come out of your opponent's uh, share. I don't care. I want it. Or I'm not going in. But you have a signed contract. I don't care. And this went on with all his fights. And this used to drive fighters nuts. So before the first Basilio fight, he tried to pull that. And Basilio said, no, that's not going to happen. You're not getting my money. You know, Robinson was getting almost 500 grand for that fight. Basilio was getting 211,000. And I think his manager, Joe Nitro, had to cough up a little bit of his percentage to get Robinson in the ring. What really irritated Basilio, I mean, they they were civil towards each other years later, but Basilio hated Robinson because for the first fight, Basilio was born in Canastota, New York, and they signed the contract in Syracuse. So Robinson's in the parking lot with his big pink Cadillac and his entourage, and Basilio pulls up at the other part of the parking lot, the other side, gets out with his wife, and he's got his manager, Joe Nietzsche. He's got my my mentor, Angelo Dundee, with him, his trainer, and a couple other people. And he's so excited to see Ray. He just says, uh, uh, Ray, Ray. And Ray looks around and goes, hi, I'm Carmen Basilio. This is my lovely wife, and I just want to introduce her to you. This is the great Ray Robinson. And Ray says, I don't want to meet her or any other Dago whore you're with. Angela Dundee always said to me, never make it personal. Robinson lost a fight at that moment. Basilio went from zero to a million in under a second. Joe Nitro, who was well over six feet, plus Angelo and other guys, had to grab. It took three, three, four guys to grab Basilio to stop him from actually killing Robinson in that parking lot. And they go inside and to the building and they sign the contract and Basilio's just beyond angry. And the, the Ring Magazine middleweight title's there on the table. And they said, one reporter said to Carmen, what would it be like for you? How would you feel having the honor of wearing that? And he looked at him and he said, I, I don't care about the title. Titles mean nothing. He can have the title. What I want to do is take these fists and pound the life out of him. And the very life out of him. And Robinson was a bit unnerved by that because he had awakened a sleeping giant. You know, he was only 5'6", Basilio, but he was so angry. And you can't fight well when you're angry, but he turned it into inner resolve. And so Basilio was training and training. He was a monster in training. Robinson thought this would just be another title defense. He knew Basilio was a good fighter, a good brawler, but he didn't think Basilio knew the technical side or was good at it as Ray was. And, and so 
they get to Yankee Stadium. Robinson pulls the same garbage. You know, I want more money. I want this. I want that. And Basile is just warming up in his dressing room. He can't wait to get into the ring. Now, it's interesting because there were about 38,000 people there. The gross gate was about $567,000. The net gate was $482,000. And it was shown in 39 states, plus it was shown in Canada. This is why it's interesting to me as a historian when people say, oh, I remember that fight. I watched it on TV live. No, you didn't. It wasn't on live TV. It was only on closed circuit back then. And you had to pay to go see that. So 170 theaters showed it all over. And as I said, Robinson was paid almost 500 grand and uh, Basilio got just over 200,000. Here's the thing, the fights after Robinson gets the money, you know, the federal government, because he owes so much in tax, uh, filed a notice of levy on his income of $514,000. He's only getting paid for, you know, 484. So he's owing money after the fight. He's like, he's, he's still like 30 something grand in the hole because he hadn't paid taxes for so long. His manager, his people that worked for him had, had screwed him over. And this was common, not just to Robinson, but to a lot of athletes. It never occurred to them to keep an eye on someone they thought they could trust. And of course, the worst example of that was Michael Carbajal with his brother, Danny, who stole his $7 million. Danny ended up going to prison, but this is why Carbajal was always in a foul mood at the International Boxing Hall of Fame and drunk because he lost every cent thanks to his brother, who he thought he could trust and should be able to trust. And the government said they took that money uh, for anticipatory taxes. I've never heard that expression before in my life. So, but you know, you're not going to argue with them. After the fight, and it was a close fight. Uh, 47 ringside riders were there. 26 thought Basilio won. 17 favored uh, Robinson, and four of them called it a draw. It was the ring fight of the year for 1957. And they get into the ring, and Robinson thought pretty well to be a cakewalk. And you would have to think that. You know, I'm 5'11", I'm 160, I've won my fights. Uh, he's only 5'6", he's really a welterweight. And but Robinson, you know, had to punch down. He thought, well, Basilio's just going to come in face first, and I'm going to pick him apart. It didn't happen that way. Also, Basilio was tough as nails. So you have to remember, Basilio was a guy who fought with a huge chip on his shoulder. After getting ripped off by the mob and, and, via Johnny Saxton and other fights where he'd been screwed because of the mob, you know, he had such inner resolve. He fueled that hatred into wanting just to destroy the man in front of him. You talk about punching through an opponent. He wanted to kill Ray Robinson that night. He was looking to end him, not just to win the title, end him permanently for good. And so he gets in the ring and Robinson's circling him as usual, but Robinson's more static than he normally is. That's age. You know, it's essentially age. Robinson's 36 at this point, the same age that, uh, that uh, Chocolatito was last night. Mind you, I thought Chocolatito won and pulled it out, but they didn't give it to him. Anyways, so there's Robinson. He's 36, and and uh, Basilio, I believe, at that time is 28. Yes, and uh, Basilio is very smart, and he has one of the greatest, if not the greatest trainer ever, Angelo Dundee. And Dundee followed what Charlie Goldman taught him and what Ray Arcel taught him. And that fundamental rule is take a disadvantage, make it an advantage. 
turn a weakness into your strongest point. Because Basilio was, was um, five inches shorter and he presented a smaller target, Angelo said, fight from an exaggerated crouch. So now Robinson has to punch down, really punch down, and Basilio's coming in and an exaggerated crouch, but he's moving his head back and forth so hard that it's extremely difficult to time him. People thought, like, for instance, when George Chevallo fought Ali, they said he'd be the hardest guy to hit. And he said, no, I could hit him to the body, just not to the head. He said, Frazier was the hardest guy to hit because he was shorter than me. He fought from a crouch and he kept moving from side to side. And that made him difficult to time. It was very difficult for Robinson to time Basilio. And it was a battle of the trainers, the immortal Harry Wiley against the immortal and young Angelo Dundee. Uh, Robinson at that point, he had a lot of wear and tear on him. And Robinson, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, I think Robinson had something like over, um, uh, over 200 fights in his career. So it's incredible, you know, when you look at it, how many, uh, how many times a man went to the well. And, uh, so Robinson can't get Basilio. Basilio's getting in there. He's ignoring Robinson's head. He's conceding that. He's not going to try to hit him to the head. Robinson's just worried about getting in the head. Basilio's savaging his body. He's throwing left hooks two, three in a row to the liver, right hands to the spleen. He's pounding his body. And Robinson will move back and he'll hit Basilio two, three, four, five, real quick in a row to the head. And Basilio just smiles, just smiles at him, shakes his head. Nope, not going to do it. Keeps coming forward and pounding his body. And, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, Robinson's legs are getting tired. Now he's got to retreat to the ropes, and Basilio's coming in, pounding him to the body. Robinson's leaning forward with his arms down to cover his flanks, and then Basilio, bang, up to the head, bang, up to the head. And Basilio is throwing quick shots to the head, but he's also, you know, he's also putting his jab there, holding his head in place, pow, you know, taking that right hand. He's loading up on shots and hitting him, and you see the sweat flying off. Ray Robinson. Robinson was getting old. I don't think Robinson ever personally recovered from that particular fight because of the pounding he took. And you couldn't dissuade Basilio, even though Robinson would hit him two, three, four shots. And you could hear the announcer going, an incredible right hand by Ray Robinson. Basilio just shook his head, smiled, and kept coming forward. It was his way of saying, you know, uh, F you to Robinson. You're not going to get me. You're not going to hurt me. I will not allow it for the way you treated me for what you said about my wife, I'm going to bring you to the to the bowels of hell. And he did. Even times when Robinson was bending over, he still kept hitting him to the body. You could hear Basilio grunt, and you could hear Robinson taking the shots. Uh, uh, uh. And those were powerful shots. And Basilio was, you know, he was burying his arm up to his elbow into Robinson's midsection. And then Robinson would get tired on the ropes and try to cover up. And Basilio didn't let him. Even when Robinson turned sideways, Basilio would walk to the side and hit him there. So he just didn't let him. Basilio wanted to fight three minutes out of every round. Robinson needed to take time off because Basilio was destroying his legs and destroying his body. And then he was also bringing it up to the head. People were going crazy because Robinson was a big favorite. No one thought this short, middle, or welterweight uh had a chance they thought there's no way he's going to beat him but when you saw basilio's career when you saw him beat tony demarco twice when you saw him come back against johnny saxton basilio was a guy in training 
you know, who trained seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, full tilt, had the best sparring partners and was hungry and fought with a chip on the shoulder. And he wasn't going to take any grief from anyone, not, not only from Robinson, he wasn't going to take any grief from the mob. So how tough was he? All he wanted to do was get in that ring and pound Robinson into the mat. And he did it. He did it. And he did it very well. He, he, his ability, you know, his ability to get under Robinson's punches. And this was something Angelo did with um, Sugar Ray uh, Leonard and Durant. He would tell them to um, slide, slide. Slide meant, you know, slide under the shots. So when Robinson would throw a shot, he would slide under it. And then, he, you know, and, and he would move and whack him. And that's what Angelo would always say to him and to Ray Leonard. He would say, Carmen, when you slide under, whack this sucker. Don't just slide under and smile at the guy. Slide under, hit him to the belly, make him pay. When he throws that jab and you slide under it, hit him to the heart. Hit him right on the heart every single time. And he did. Every time Robinson missed, Basilio made him pay. And it was like this, this, you know, wasp, bumblebee, you can't get off you, or killer hornet. Robinson, there was nowhere for him to hide in the ring. Basilio was on top of him all the time. Even when Robinson would move back and throw the jab to create distance, Basilio would slide under it, whack him to the body. And, of course, when they're in the clinch, Robinson, being the taller man, would hit Basilio in the back of the head. So Basilio would do that to him or he'd whack him in the kidneys. Basilio was letting him know, I'm not going to let you get away with that. No rabbit punching. You want a rabbit punch? I'll whack your kidneys. We'll see how you like that. I got a hard head. We'll see who's going to take it. We'll see who's going to fall first. And Robinson could have made an easier fight of himself if he'd just been professional and polite to Basilio. But he wasn't. And so Basilio, you imagine a man training for four or five months for a fight with that one goal in his mind, wakes up every day, I'm going to kill him. And he's training all day. And all he thinks is, I want to kill him. Every day he wakes up, I'm going to kill him. And he can't wait. Every day in training, Basilio can't wait to get into that ring. Every day there, when the press would come, Sports Illustrated, New York Times, New York Post, all these, all these Newark Star-Ledger, all these newspapers and TV people, he would say, I wish the fight was now. I want to fight him today, right now. And, and that's how anxious Basilio was. Not anxious, but that's how prepared and determined. He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to get into that ring with Robinson and pound the hell out of him. And, of course, when you go to Robinson's camp, everything's fine. Everyone's laughing. Robinson's doing his fancy rope skipping. He's got sweet Georgia Brown playing. He's got his whole entourage there. He's got his hairdresser. He's, he has a small person who's called the dwarf back then that he hired. He's got everyone there. You know, he's got his manicurist. He's doing all of that just to, to show off. And it gives the impression that he's not really worried about Basilio. He said, this tiny little crude Italian slugger, I'm not going to worry about him. But Basilio just ignored it. He just took it all in, turned the anger into fuel, and then just whacked that heavy bag and worked on his sparring partners. And Angel just said, keep it within yourself. Keep your resolve. Let's just keep doing this. Keep working. You're going to get your chance. Every day in training is an extra day to get better. One extra day to get better. Another day to get better. And when he got in that ring, boy, Basilio was just like a ICBM ready to launch. He just could not wait for that bell to ring. And he's taking good shots in the face, Basilio, but because he's from a crouch and his knees are bent, he's so well prepared 
He's so well prepared to take those shots. He's able to take them and he diffuses the power through his uh, legs. And all through his mind, he's just thinking, I'm going to kill him. And they asked him before, you're going to knock him out. And he said, I'm not looking to knock him out. I'm looking to punish him for 15 rounds. And what I love about the fight was before that, uh, Howard Cosell interviewed him and said, you know, uh, 12 or 15 sports writers at ringside pick Robinson to win. What do you have to say? And he said to Cosell, well, 12 of them are wrong then, Howard. And boy, was Basilio right. Uh, Robinson had his moments when he had to fight in the center of the ring. Robinson uh, landed a lot of shots. You know, he landed that quick jab. He could put his punches together. But his legs weren't really that good anymore. I mean, he still was better than just about anyone else out there. But Robinson's legs couldn't get him out of trouble. And when Robinson would go to the ropes to cover up, uh, Basili would work his wing in and pound his body some more. When Robinson would clinch in the middle of the ring, Basilio would throw off his hands and, you know, his arms and just use his shoulders to wiggle loose from Robinson's clinch and just keep throwing punches. That was the main thing. Fight from a crouch, keep throwing punches nonstop. When Robinson misses, make him pay. And as Angelo would say, faint this guy, faint this sucker, you know, faint, move to your left, throw the right hand, faint him, make him go for it, you know, show openings that don't exist. I mean, Basilio was willing to take two, three, four shots from Robinson because he said, he's not going to hurt me. He can't hurt me. I won't allow him to hurt me. And Robinson landed some good shots. Basilio kept coming forward. This was the victory that was not supposed to happen. This was the fight that no one thought, you know, that it wasn't supposed to be that Basilio ends up the world middleweight champion. No one thought this could happen. You know, there it is in the Bronx, September 23rd. And the fans are going crazy. The fans are, are rooting for Carmen Basilio because he's from the state of New York. Robinson's lived in the state of New York for a long time, but he's originally from, from uh, Detroit. And most people know Robinson's story and he was a great fighter he fought everyone and he beat everyone but people are always amazed when they find out that he wasn't the nicest person but then again he was a professional prize fighter he'd gone into the service for world war ii but then faked amnesia and got his way out he didn't want to be in the army he kept fighting and fighting and he kept you know he won the middleweight title five times which is a record that will never be broken. And this is when there was only one world title. This isn't when there were like four or five, like there are now. Robinson was an exquisitely built masterpiece by Harry Wiley. And he may have been the greatest fighter pound for pound of all time. Angelo thought that that uh, title belonged to Willie Pep, because as he said, Pep did more things well in the ring than any other fighter that ever lived. But, but, Boxing encompasses all styles. And Robinson, you know, fought at 147. Then he's got to move up to 160, which was a better weight for him because of his height. And it just suited him better. So when you look at all the middleweights that he fought, you know, and, and beat, and when he came back, he lost to Ralph Tiger Jones in his first fight after his comeback. But he still kept fighting. Um, and he was in a lot of wars. People look at him and think, well, he never got hit. That's not true. He got hit a lot. Robinson was a tough son of a bitch. He would stand there and slug with other fighters. 
and it eventually cost him. He may not have, in a lot of his fights, got hit in one particular fight a lot, but it all caught up. You know, almost 200 fights, it's definitely going to catch up to you. So, uh, and he paid a severe price for it after his career. But in this particular fight, Basilio, people can't believe what they're seeing because Basilio is winning the fight. Basilio's coming out strong in first round, second round, third round. Basilio's getting warmed up like Chocolatito last night. And he's throwing the shots. He's cutting off the ring well, Robinson. This is the main thing when you're cutting off the ring. He's taking two, three steps to every seven or eight, nine steps that Robinson has to take. That wears a man down. A fighter can't keep taking steps like that all the time through 15 rounds. At Robinson's age of 36, he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. And every time Robinson stops, every time he's against the ropes, Every time he plants himself to punch and Basilio avoids the shot, Basilio's whacking him to the kit, to the liver. He's throwing a right hand to the spleen. He's hitting him in the belly. He's hitting him in the kidneys. He's hitting him in the in stomach. He's destroying his body. So later in the fight, and this is exactly what happens, Robinson's legs are gone. And from seventh, eighth, ninth round on, he's it's not, you know, it's not like today, 12 rounds. This is 15. He's got to stand there. And he's got to face Basilio head up. And that's not the person you want to do that with because Basilio was a ferocious puncher. Robinson made the mistake, as Angela told me, he made it personal. You don't want to make it personal. They say, well, how about Ali? Ali made it personal. Ali could back it up. Ali made it personal to get the other guy angry. And an angry fighter doesn't fight well. Basilio was angry, but he was able to control his anger and funnel it into his boxing. Robinson made the mistake of, of pushing him over the edge and then he couldn't back it up in the ring because of his age, because of the wear and tear on his body and because of the beating, the feral beating, I'm going to sneeze in a sec, the feral beating that uh, Basilio was giving him. So, <coughs> excuse me, never done that on camera. Done it on stage before, but not on camera. So Basilio, we can edit that out. Basilio is fighting a fantastic fight. And he's winning, and he knows he's winning. But as he's winning, he's still getting lumped up. Basilio tended to swell and cut. And the interesting thing about that is when they fought the second time, I thought Basilio won that, but they gave it to Robinson. Robinson, or Basilio's eye, his, his right eye was, right or left eye was swollen like a grapefruit. It was huge. And after, it's his second fight, the rematch, which Robinson won. So Basilio goes back to the corner, and he says, and cut it, cut the eye. You know, like in the movie Rocky, just let the blood out. And he said, I can't. And the reason he couldn't was Basilio had an operation earlier, months before, to remove scar tissue. So if he put the razor blade there, he would have cut his actual eye. So the fight's over. Robinson wins the unanimous decision in the second fight. And Basilio turns to Angelo and says, uh, I want to fight him a third time. And Angelo said, what are you, crazy? He said, Carmen, you start bleeding during the national anthem. When they're playing the national anthem, I got to stand there with my Q-tips and my thrombin and all these different things and, and Mar Marcel's solution. And I got I to gotta stop your cut and the fight hasn't even started. You're not going to fight him a third time. There's not, enough, there's not enough swabs to stop the bleeding. And so in this first fight, you know, Basilio's nose is bleeding. He's got blood from the mouth. He's got some uh, cuts, you know, small cuts over his eyes. But he's still coming forward. He just won't be deterred. Basilio would take the beating just to get to Robinson. And of course, as Robinson's legs are going, his punches might not have the steam they did in the earlier rounds, but it's the volume. 
and he's still whacking Basilio. He's still swelling up his face. But when you watch the fight, you see Basilio hitting him and Rob, the sweat flying off Robinson's head and his hair every time Basilio whacks him. And you can see the grimacing of Robinson. He's in pain. He's not enjoying this as Basilio gets him in a corner and just works, works him over. No one had seen this before with Sugar Ray Robinson. No one had seen a guy hold him in the corner for two minutes, three minutes of a round and mercilessly pound him to the body. Robinson was always able to duck under or clinch and move away, you know, slide off the ropes. Basilio wasn't letting him. Basilio would hold him in place with the shoulder or Basilio would put his left leg between Robinson's legs, uh, keeping Robinson off balance and preventing him from moving from side to side. Basilio was a much smarter fighter than the people gave him credit for. And people thought, how could Basilio beat Robinson? I mean, Fomer beat Robinson. Fomer was physically uh, uh, a tank. You know, he was a light heavyweight in a middleweight's body, and he beat Robinson. They fought four times, and I think Fomer won twice, lost once, and one was a draw. And they thought, well, you know, there's no way. I mean, Fomer can't can't uh, uh, dominate him because Robinson knocked Fomer out in the rematch. What chance does Basilio have? But Basilio proved all the critics wrong. At the end of the fight, the referee, Al Burrow, he was the only one. I, I, I don't know what he was watching, but he scored at 9-6 Ray Robinson. And the people booed, and they went, how could that be? How could you score at 9-6 for Robinson? Where do you find nine rounds to give Robinson? But Judge uh, Bill Reck um, scored at 8-6 Basilio, and Judge uh, 8 Addy scored at 9-5. Uh, Basilio and Basilio got on his knees and gave a prayer of thanks. And this to him, when I spoke to him, this was his greatest moment in boxing. He said, Winning the welterweight title from Tony DeMarco in Boston was great, but he said, You have to understand something, Lou. DeMarco and I were like brothers, I loved him, we were close friends. So he said, When DeMarco would come visit me in, in, in Canastota. I would take the world welterweight title belt and hide it in my in my rec room. And I would take the pictures, frame pictures of our fight and hide it because I love Tony and I didn't want to upset him. You know, Tony was a great champion and a, and a dear friend. He said, Ray Robinson was different. Ray Robinson wasn't nice to me ever. Mind you, when they had a Ray Robinson night, when Robinson retired in 65, all these fighters were there in four corners of the ring. And when the bell rang, they all came out to hug him. And Basilio was one of them because Basilio was a gentleman at that time. Um, Lamato wasn't invited because he had testified in front of the Kafafer Commission about his throwing the fight with Blackjack Billy Fox to get a shot at the world middleweight title. But all these other fighters were there, Carl Bobo Olson. Uh, later on, they sort of had a truce, Basilio and Robinson, and, and they, you know, were civil towards each other, but no one was fooled. Basilio never like Robinson. And Robinson didn't really show him any respect in or out of the ring. And that's a dangerous thing to do. This is the hurt business. You know, you have to at least respect your fight, the guy you're fighting, but you earn that respect. Respect is earned in and out of the ring. And Basilio certainly damn well earned it when he got in there by pounding him relentlessly all over. He gave him a full body beating. And when you watch the fight, and you got to watch this fight on YouTube, you see Robinson constantly retreating to the ropes. You see him gulping air. No one had seen this before. Every thought, everyone thought this would be a cakewalk. Robinson would circle the smaller guy, beat him with his jab all night, throw straight right hands, and and stop him. But Basilio hadn't been stopped. You know, he'd been knocked down, but he hadn't been stopped. 
And when a man has that kind of quiet resolve that Basilio had, he can't be beaten. There was just no way that would happen. Muhammad Ali was indeed nervous and afraid when he fought Listen the first time, but he still had the inner resolve that I'm not going to leave here without that world title belt. You know, I'm not willing to die for it. I'm going to make him willing to die for it. And that was exactly the MO, the modus operandi of Basilio. He, he went into the ring thinking, I'm going to make Ray Robinson. If he wants to defend that title successfully, he's going to have to give his life to do it because I'm not going to give him any breathing room. I'm going to be on him all the time. And when you watched the fight, there was no time in the fight that Basilio took time off. He never took time off. The minute that bell rang, he was on Robinson. He made Robinson work the full three minutes of every round. And when you're 36 and you have over 100 and something fights on your resume, it's very difficult. You start feeling it in your legs. And the audience that night was decidedly pro-Basilio. They wanted to see Basilio win. He was the underdog. New York loves an underdog. And it was just a glorious night. As I said before, Basilio thought that was the greatest night of his career. Mickey Mantle was in the dugout, and, and there was Whitey Ford, the chairman of the board, and Yogi Barrett. So all his friends were there, and he posed for pictures after with Mickey Mantle, Mickey holding the bat, and, and, and Basilio, you know, posing his fist. Basilio had, had you know, tape on his face and that from swelling and, and cuts, but he was still happy. He didn't care. He reached the summit of his dreams. There was more money in the middleweight division than there was in the welterweight division. I think it's unlike that today. But uh, today, I think welterweight would be worth more. But there was a lot of money there. And Basilio held that title. He lost it in the rematch. I thought he won the rematch. That was given unanimous decision. But Basilio was a fighter who had to fight when the mob controlled boxing. And at that point, Sugar Ray Robinson was under the dictates of the mob. And although I think Basilio won, I could be wrong, but Robinson, I don't think he did enough to win back his title uh, at that time. I think Basilio defended it successfully, but the big difference, the big difference in any fight is who looks better after the fight. And as I said, I'm not kidding you. He had, you look at Basilio's face, he had, his eye was so swollen, it took months for it to come down, not months, but it took weeks, maybe a month, but it was so swollen out to here, you would have thought he was wearing a melon or a grapefruit or something. And what happened was he got caught with a shot right on the eyeball early in the fight. Basilio and Angelo said it was probably a thumb. The eye swelled up from like the first, second round on, and he's handicapped. He's got to fight 13 rounds now, he can't see. But he didn't complain. Angelo tried to ice it down. There was no end swell then. And Basilio fought his heart out to the to the end of the fight. But an eye swollen like that disturbs your balance. So Basilio missed a lot of punches. Still, to me, the first fight was a great fight because it's one of the great epic moments in professional boxing where you a few times you have a great welterweight world champion, gives up the title voluntarily, something that he, he sweated and, and sacrificed his whole life for. It's a sure income. And there weren't really many other welterweights around there who could beat, if any of them could beat Basilio, to go up to the higher division to challenge the greatest fighter, recognize then as the greatest fighter pound for pound of all time, and still go after him and still push him to the limit and still beat the hell out of him and take his title. And you see Basilio praying after on one knee in the ring. And it, it was a great fight. It was a huge upset. And when I asked Angelo after, I said, listen, did this assuage 
Carmen's hatred for Robinson. And he said, no, no, not one bit. He still had tremendous anger. He said, you don't talk about a guy's wife like that uh, to his face or behind his back or anywhere. He said, that's the kind of talk that gets a man hurt. And he said, I'll tell you one thing, Carmen was disappointed when the fight ended. He wanted to fight another 15 rounds. He gave it his all. You know, Carmen's attitude was at the end of the fight, I tried to kill him and he's still there. So I won and I lost. I won the title, but the man's still alive. So in that respect, I lost. Now, obviously, fighters don't go out. They don't try to fatally injure their opponent. They don't want to hurt their opponent uh, uh, catastrophically. But the anger, because of Robinson's rude comment, was so focused and built up in Basilio that he took it out of him with his fist for 15 rounds. Imagine that. Imagine you saying to someone an offhand rude comment, and then the, your punishment isn't you get fined or you go to prison. The, your punishment is you got to stand there for, for 45 consecutive minutes, and the other guy gets to punch you in the body. How long could you take? Really, how long could you take of a beating like that? And this is just from a regular person. Basilio, a trained world champion, prize fighter, knew where to punch, knew where to land the punchers to do the most damage. And he just was an inexhaustible source of energy. And it was like he was being fueled by nuclear fuel because he just never got tired. Robinson was tiring noticeably throughout the fight and looked to clinch, looked to take time off. And Basilio said, no way, buddy, no time off now. You got to fight me every minute of every round. I'm going to be on you like white on rice. And he was. He just kept pounding him and pounding him. I love watching the fight. Both men were, were valiant during the fight. You got to give Robinson credit. He didn't quit. He stood there and took the pounding like a fighter, like a world champion. As Mike Tyson said, world champions don't quit in the corner. Like, you know, like Liston and Jess Willard, world champions go out in their shield. And Robinson took the beating and, you know, congratulated Basilio after Basilio didn't want anything to do with him and is still angry about trying to get screwed over by Robinson for the money. But, you know, in the next fight, Basilio's in the driver's seat. But the thing is, Robinson's the draw, and that's what counts in boxing, asses in the seats. If you get a chance to watch this fight, you got to watch it. It's one of the classic fights from the 1950s. Uh, it's one of the great fights that was on the level when the mob controlled boxing, lock, stock, and barrel. And Robinson and Basilio was allowed to compete uh, even up, and judges were fair uh, that night. And I, I think there would have been a riot otherwise because it was so obviously Basilio who was, who was ahead. I don't know how the referee, Al Burrow, who may have been bought off by the mob, I wouldn't be surprised because everyone was back then, scored it for Robinson. But the other judges said no. And Basilio is the new undisputed world middleweight champion. After that, Basilio fought Fulmer twice. He got stopped two more times. His last fight, was in 61 against Paul Pender, who was really, I thought, an unprofessional and rude to Basilio with regards to his skills. But Basilio was old by then, a lot of wear. Terry lost to Pender. Uh, uh, Robinson fought until 1965, and then um, uh, he retired. Um, Robinson, in the later years, was broke, and uh, there was a man named uh, Melvin Dick. Mel Dick was very close to Angelo Dundee as a kid. And, and here's an interesting story. Mel Dick uh, idolized Ray Robinson. He was a young Jewish boy growing up in New York. So he would go to Stillman's gym and he would watch Robinson. And Robinson said after a month or two, 
what do you, what's your name? Mel, why are you here? He said, because you're my hero and I love you. And Robinson was so taken aback, he became friends with him. So he's there at Melvin Dick's bar mitzvah when Mel turns 13. At Mel's prom at his high school, he drives him there. He puts on the chauffeur cap, Ray Robinson. He drives him there in his pink Cadillac and he waits for him the whole night. He's there at his wedding. So in later, and then Mel Dick went on to own uh, Southern distilleries. So he was the second or third largest supplier in the United States of distilled spirits. And so when Robinson uh, got dementia and he was broke, it was Mel Dick who financially supported him. This was his hero. And so he paid all his medical bills. He paid for where he had to live. And he, he helped them out uh, right to the end of his life. He was there for him. He made sure Ray Robinson had the comfort and everything that he needed. And it's a real love story because Mel Dick said to me at Angela Dundee's funeral, Ray Robinson gave me a reason to exist. He gave me a reason to feel proud of myself, to be respectful to other people and to succeed at the highest levels of my profession. The least I could do for Ray Robinson was help him out. Basilio was fine in that respect. He kept his money. He was a Canastota onion farmer. I met him many times. When he got older and he got a bit of dementia, he was a bit, he could be a bit uh, cranky or rude. I was at the Hall of Fame one time where he got into a fight with, uh, he said it's something unmentionable to Emil Griffith. And I was standing there and they started to throw punches. Angelo, who was in his early 90s, got in the way and got hit by both guys. And it was broken up. But I, I don't think Carmen was in his right mind at that time. But uh, I made him smile because I had on my Carmen Basilio T-shirt. And uh, I spoke to him many times about different fighters. I spoke to him and Gene Fulmer. But Basilio, my father's favorite was Joe Lewis, who was a god, the greatest fighter ever of all time. But he loved Carmen Basilio, too. So Basilio is one of the all-time greats in professional boxing. Unfortunately... Uh, at, the, at the International Boxing Hall of Fame, my favorite place in the face of this earth. If you haven't gone, you got to go. Uh, two of Basilio's belts were stolen. His ring magazine belts were stolen four or five years ago, and they haven't been recovered. So I'm saying to people, if you ever see anything of them on sale or you see them somewhere, I saw them advertised on a British boxing site, and I called the police in Canastota and showed them the site. If you hear anything about it, please contact the police in Canastota, New York, or the International Boxing Hall of Fame to help Carmen family and the Hall of Fame get the belts back. I'm way off topic here. Carmen Basilio, September 23rd, 1957, takes down his speed of world middleweight title from Sugar Ray Robinson. Watch this fight on YouTube. You will thank me when you do. I'm Lou Eisen. That's Ring Talk for another Sunday afternoon. Be well. Have a great weekend and uh, respect yourself and respect the great sport of boxing. Thank you. Bye-bye.